0: Hi
1: folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. This is always one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is Thursday, October eighteenth, two 2012. This is episode... 1,001 of the Survival Podcast. We had our landmark episode yesterday, and of course, we've had server problems. If you're hearing this, at least some of them have been rectified. Um, let me tell you what went on, because every time something goes on with the server, I get a lot of offers by people to help that really mean well, but I don't think you can help. People say, well, you can use my server or whatever. Um, first of all is our bandwidth requirements. We use, on average, 12 to 14 terabytes of bandwidth. Uh, a lot of people, say I say, have tons of bandwidth have absolutely no idea what it would do to them if we uh, used you as a backup for one big episode like yesterday. Yesterday was huge. Now, here's the thing. Yesterday's episode had nothing to do with the problems that we're experiencing now. I thought it might cause some slow connections and things like that. Uh, but one of our uh, administrators, uh, Steve-O, on the forum, Got in touch with me and said, hey, look, we're having some performance problems. And some of you guys have noticed that the site loading slowly, things hanging. Sometimes you're streaming the thing and it just stops and dead or forum doesn't load right or something like that. And that's been getting worse and worse. So he noticed some hardware issues and said, hey, can I you know, have these guys do some hardware upgrades, do some testing, do some stuff like that tonight. After midnight Pacific time, it'll put the site down for about an hour uh, and I'll work with them and get it done. So he, I said, yeah, go ahead and do it. So he does it. I get up this morning, load the site, man. The site loads like that. Uh, go to the forum, it loads like that. Everything is just functioning great, except it won't stream audio. Well, the audio and the MSB are hosted on not the survivalpodcast.com but survivalpodcast.net. There's a reason we do that. Even though we're on the same server, very clearly you could see from that that sometimes we can have a problem on one domain but not the other. That means if the blog's down, at least the audio's available. If the audio's down, at least the blog's available so I can still communicate with you. And then I can use Twitter and Facebook and everything else to try to you know, keep things going. This is a redundancy that we have in place. Well, uh, so I put up a post this morning and said, hey, uh, you know, this is down, and I've just figured I'll restore the 10 latest episodes, so I'm in the middle of doing that, and of course I've got a trouble ticket in, I've got an email over to Steve-O, and the whole damn thing craps the bed now. Uh, so that's probably what you might have experienced this morning, is no sites up nowhere, and right now it's 10.45 a.m. Central Standard Time, and I'm trying to reload my main site, and everything's still down. That's probably because the technicians are fixing it. So a lot of times I hear from people, you know, we can do this, we can do that for you. The reality is when you deal with web-based technologies, this stuff happens. And that's why I'm actually going ahead and getting the intro done for today's show, getting today's show wrapped up and getting it on because I've got people in place to help me fix these problems. I'm sure by the time you hear this, you will, we will have to have at least corrected the problems. Before uh, before I go on any further, let's go ahead and take care of our housekeeping and get our special guest on today. Our special guest is James Burnett. Uh, he runs a blog called SurvivalPunk.com. We're going to talk about the importance of DIY as part of your prepping. And uh, we'll be doing that in just a moment. Before we do, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. Sponsor of the day number one today, BulkAmmo.com. If you have no ammo... But you have a really great gun, you have a really expensive club, possibly a barter item or something you can hawk in a pawn shop. You do not have a firearm, though. It won't do you any good without ammo. Now, if you have a really good gun, a little bit of ammo, and you don't train with that weapon, you don't know how to really use it well, it's better, but it ain't that great. So you need ammo not just to be able to feed that weapon, but to run that weapon and train with that weapon. That means you need lots of ammo, and that means you need to go to BulkAmmo.com to get the best pricing and service you can find on common caliber caliber ammunition out there today with lightning fast shipping. The first time you order, there's a little bit of a, you know, you got to send them your ID to prove that, you know, you're an adult and you can order ammunition once that's done the first time man you put an order in it it seems like it ships like you click submit and it's you're getting a shipping confirmation before you can really understand how they did that great people great service great pricing check them out today Bulkammo.com. next up today safe castle royal the original survival podcast sponsor how are the original ones? well they're the first ones Vic Montal over there was a guy that came to me when we had like less than a thousand uh, listeners and said we want to do something with you we could see TSP is something up and coming and we want to be part of it and I said you know let me figure out how to do this I don't feel like I have enough listeners yet we got up over 2,000, 2,500 listeners I said yeah let's set up a sponsorship program we built the entire way that we vet our sponsors around taking them in as the first sponsor and they've been with us now for over three years that's unheard of in the podcast community most of our sponsors have been with us two years to two and a half years. These guys have been with us since the day you could be a sponsor, and we're really proud to have them. They have everything you could want for your prepping needs. Check them out today. They also have an awesome discount members club of their own. It's $49, and then you have that membership for the rest of your life. It provides big discounts on everything they sell. But if you're a member of my MSB, you can get that discount membership for free, which effectively makes your first year of MSB a dollar. On that note, if you want to help support the show, hopefully the member support Brigade is back up by the time I'm saying this, or by the time you're hearing it anyway, and uh, you can help support the show by becoming a member of the Member Support Brigade. It'll cost you about 18.3 cents an episode if you do the math. Uh, That's about 50 bucks a year. Military Law Enforcement, Peace Corps, active duty or prior service. Please email me before you join, and I will send you a special discount code to thank you for your service that will save you even more money. Um, I will, uh, at this point, like to say... uh, Anybody out there that called in for episode 1,000 yesterday that ended up listening to over almost five hours of audio and then went, where's where am I at? I, I, I got left out. There's only one of two things that happened. One, you called in, you left a message, and you were on a cell phone and you dropped the call, and there was no message. That's one thing that could happen. Two, if you notice, there might have been a few repeats, and I'm concerned that the way Outlook works, when you're saving files out of Outlook, that it's possible that if I, ca- if I caused a repeat, I may have also left somebody out. If I left you out, it wasn't because your call wasn't good enough. It wasn't because I said, you know, you don't qualify. I put everybody in the show that called in that made a legitimate call. Every single person that I could. And with a five-hour show, you can imagine there could have been some hang-ups. If your call was left out and you would like to be able to participate in this type of thing, what you can do is email me and say, just put Jack, call for Jack in the subject line and let me know what happened to you. And I will tell you what to do to submit a call. And we'll, you know, maybe there's a handful of people. And uh, we'll do a segment with the people that got left out if it happened. I don't know that it happened. I'm just saying um, after listening to that show myself after I did it, Being so touched by it, the thought that I could have left anybody out breaks my heart. And I know the last time I did this, I left a person out who I went out of my way to make sure didn't get left out. And that's what caused them to be left out. They were upset with me when they heard about it, you know, they understood. And they were definitely in, in this episode. And uh, I don't ever want anybody to think for something like this that I, I, you know, I make a judgment of whether or not your call is good enough. Put everybody in. So if it happened to you, email me jackatthesurvivalpodcast.com. Put call for Jack in the subject line and just you know put in the body like I got left out. What do I do? and I'll tell you what to do and how to submit a call, and we'll get that sorted out, and we'll get a segment done of anybody that got over overlooked. If it happened, again, I apologize deeply. All right, with that, I do have the housekeeping wrapped up along with some extra information, and I'm ready to introduce our special guest. Again, James Burnett. He's the owner of SurvivalPunk.com, a blog about survival preparedness and paleo eating with a punk attitude, James spends his free time working on experiments and projects and sharing the results on that blog, and uh, he's also a cool guy that's actually been in my house and uh, killed uh, a few shots of liquor and maybe a few beers with me, uh, something like that, and I think we ate some pretty good steak that night. Hey, James, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast.
0: Jack, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on the show after
1: listening to almost 1,000 episodes for years now. Um, thanks. Hey, man, it's cool. You're like episode 1001, too, man. That's, that's cool. Um, I wanted to ask you first off, you know, your blog is Survival Punk. What was the deal with the whole Survival Punk thing? Um, You know, like,
0: I, from listening for your show for years, like, you're like, find your passion and go do it. And I was like, you know, I, there's a bunch of, like, things I like. I have a bunch of hobbies, but I couldn't find, like, one thing that was like, James, this is your passion. Go do this. Uh, and then I was just sitting around one day and I was like, you know, why, why do I need to pick one single passion? I'll just combine the things that I really love, which is survival. Um, I really like punk music and a lot of the, the punk scene, uh, and the, the DIY nature of it all. So I just combined them all along with, um, I've been paleo now for a couple years. So I just combined them all and
1: put all my experiments on my blog. Very cool. So as far as the preparedness thing, the survival thing, what got you interested in that, and then you know, kind of the first place?
0: Um It's a, it's a funny story. Like I've always been big on like sort of apocalyptic type fictions and stuff, um, zombie movies. Uh, and one day I was just sitting around and I was like, kind of joking uh, with a um, friend I had, and I was like, I'm I'm gonna Google uh, an apocalypse survival kit. And I was honestly looking for something gimmicky and fun, like a little, you know, breaking case of the apocalypse. And I stumbled across the zombie squad forms and I got sucked in there. Like I didn't leave the computer for like a week. Uh, I found out about bug out bags and, and actually being prepared and not like stupidly running to Walmart in the case of emergency and trying to loot everything, which would be the worst idea ever in the entire world.
1: Yeah, they have a thread there, like in the like when you first get to that forum, like don't go to Walmart; it's a bad idea.
0: Yeah, I've read through a lot of that, and it's I would stay away from there at all
1: costs. <laughs> well, just think about your average uh, shopper in Walmart at 2 a.m. and ask if that's really the people you want to be around when the shit hits the fan.
0: I've seen those people, and they are <laughs> the last people I'd want to see. <laughs>
1: Anyway, go on I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. just uh you made me think of because that, that is a great forum
0: right so so that got me into it um when I just realized I guess before that I just thought you know when the apocalypse happens, it'll be cool, and I'll you know do stuff, and I realized I didn't have any like common like simple preparedness things done. I had no savings account, like I blew all my money, paycheck to paycheck um and i just't I had no food storage. Uh I guess I assumed during the apocalypse which honestly don't believe in but it's it's fun to think about. Um I assumed that I'd be able to pick up any rifle or weapon and just be able to shoot, you know, anything which I'd never touched a weapon before. And I know from when I did I sucked at it. It took a lot of training to get where I'm at now where I can hit things pretty reliably. Um so yeah, just getting that basic stuff covered. Um, and then finding your show and, and realizing, you know, <laughs> it's not all about the end. It's it's about the now too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, your whole take and kind of all the experiments you do and all, you it's not your anti-community. I mean, you're part of the zombie group. Maybe we'll even talk about the one event that you, you did with them uh, when you when you're actually by my place. Uh, uh, but. You really do focus on, and our kind of our main topic today, is to get into the kind of DIY, self, self-led projects, self-led training, things like that. So, why is that important to you versus you know going to a school or a course or something like that?
0: Um, I mean, not to put down professional training because I've had some some great trainers, but whenever I see stuff, I, I'm a I, I like self-teaching myself a lot. Um, I tend to learn better if I can learn at my own pace. And whenever I see things, I always tend to think, well, how can I make that? It doesn't matter what it is. And sometimes I tend to overthink, like, oh, how can I build an AR from scratch, which is stupid. <laughs> but just everything, like, I want to know how I can build it and how I can build it cheaper to save money, uh, even use, you know, free materials or better materials in the junk that I see. Um, I just like building things, and I like saving money because I'm cheap.
1: What are some of the things you've done that have worked out pretty well?
0: Um, one of the ones I did yesterday was, was one of the things I had an idea and I tried it and it was like the easiest thing I've done. It took a few minutes. It was like $6 to build it and it's worked out amazing. Like, so far in like the testing I did, you know, in the day and a half, um, it's been the best thing I've done. And that's, um, you know, all of us, we carry flashlights in our pocket, you know, our EDC flashlights. And headlamps are really cool, but I didn't want to, you know, like I have a separate headlamp and I have a cool, you know, EDC uh, flashlight. Well, using some stuff I found at Walmart in the crafts department, I had an elastic headband, a, um, a buckle, like a Fast Tech buckle, and like some Velcro and stuff. And I made basically a headlamp holder for my flashlight. That way I just snap on the band and the Velcro on the flashlight just – Goes onto the band, so I have my, you know, 190 lumens, you know, flashlight as a headlamp, and it detaches and it's back to a flashlight, you know, one thing instead of carrying like a flashlight and a headlamp, and I had the
1: convenience of both. Yeah, I'm on your site looking at it right now, and it's it's pretty basic to do, but you wonder why more people don't do it.
0: Right, and I mean it was like six bucks to make, and getting like I can make five of them for twenty dollars and for like 30 minutes worth of work. So that was a big one I really liked a lot. Um, Lots of other small things. A battery holder out of Velcro. uh, A hammock suspension system that doesn't require as much tying and tightens down better using like two metal rings I found in
1: Lowe's. Cool, and you've had some that didn't work, and I think some of those were more of the – Somebody else said it did work, so you tried it, and maybe not so much. Uh, I'm looking at one of your posts right now, cooking on a log failure, right? And I think we've all seen the picture. The guy takes the big piece of hardwood, and he cuts, uh, like uh, like almost like he's cutting a pizza almost all the way through it and leaves uh, some stuff on the bottom to hold it down, lights it up, and it works like a rocket stove, and he throws his uh, big plate of, uh, big pan full of uh, potatoes and carrots and all on there and cooks it up. How would it work for you?
0: Um, I went out into the woods with what I'd normally carry, you know, my Buck hoodlum knife, uh, a pocket chainsaw, you know, and it failed. Like trying to trying to baton through the wood to to make the notches, not quite go all the way down and be thick enough. Uh, it it just didn't work, um, and I busted my ass doing it. I, I was dripping sweat trying to cut through this massive log, uh, trying to baton through it. It was like an hour and a half um, after backpacking in my cast iron skillet and, and, you know, a pound of bacon. Uh And I was just like, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm sweaty, and now I don't have any bacon to eat.
1: <laughs> and if you would have just built a little fire with a few rocks around and thrown your pan over it, you would have been eating bacon a hell of a lot faster.
0: I would have been eating bacon instead of hiking back out of there. Um, so that. And that's I like to show people when it fails too. Um, Yeah,
1: I think that's great. I think that more people need to do that. Now, my my question on that: the guy that did it that has the video or the pictures floating around, he uh, he used a pull and chainsaw, you know, right? uh, So you can make those cuts in about five minutes. So, do you think the technique doesn't work, or it just doesn't work in kind of a wilderness environment?
0: You know, it's it's pretty Facebook porn, but you're not going to go out into the woods and do it. I mean, you know, if you want to sit in your backyard with your buddies and be like, hey, look what I can do with a chainsaw on a log, you, awesome. You know, that's that's the perfect environment for that. Not, you know, I don't want people, because it's always portrayed on the Internet as, oh, a survival cooking technique. It is not a survival cooking technique. No. Don't even think about it that way.
1: It's, it's playing around with a log. And, and my my thought when I first saw that one was, It'll probably work, but it can only work for so long before the very thing holding up the pan, uh, you know, has has done its deal and collapses and begin, you know, you burn wood, it goes away eventually.
0: Right, and I wanted to test that and see how long it would burn and before it fell over and all that, and I couldn't even get to that point. So I was like, I'm just going to call this myth busted. It's done.
1: What are some other failures that uh, that you've had or maybe you've had by trying to replicate somebody else's claims?
0: Oh, I know I've had some. Uh, The hammock one I did was a semi-success. I've had a lot of semi-successes. That's the biggest failure I've done, for sure. (laughs) Uh, Oh, oh, no, no. I tried to make 100% paleo coconut bars. Um, I saw this, and there's a guy out there, and I've talked to him through email. His name is Coconut Joe. He makes Coconut Joe bars. And they're sort of like the Laura bars, but they're made with 100% organic ingredients and from coconut and not dates. So you got it's a really healthy looking thing. And I was like, that's awesome. And it seemed like it would be easy to make. So I sort of like got what I thought were his ingredients, and you know, I blended them together and I tried to make it, and it tasted like garbage. I was like, you know, I know like, and through talking to the guy through email, he spent years developing the recipe. I'm going to give it one, maybe two shots, and I'm done. I don't have the time to devote to, you know, I don't want to sell this product. I just want to see if I can do it. And that, that was a failure. Like, I took about two bites. I'm like,
1: mm, I'm going to throw these away now. <laughs> it just doesn't sound good. I mean, if I want a 100% paleo bar, I think they call that biltong.
0: They, they do. and
1: <laughs> Or maybe pemmican.
0: I came across something else from another company that was pretty tasty. It's sushi-grade tuna jerky. It uses paleo ingredients from Itsumu Jerky, I think. Not bad, actually. It was pretty good. I mean, it smelled really fishy, but it tasted really tender and jerky-like, and, I mean, it was pretty good.
1: Yeah, my wife got me some jerky for like a present one time from some, I don't remember even where she got it from. One of, one of the jerkies was salmon jerky, kind of done the same way. And, uh, I don't know if you like fish and salt. I, I think it's a really good thing. And I do. I, In fact, the other day I was kind of like, I'm craving that. Where the hell? And it, You know, it, it, there's only one thing that tastes like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I was, I've been looking for a supply of some stuff like that because I really like it too. You've been doing paleo for a long time. Right. How has that worked out for you? Um, I think at this point I've lost 60 pounds with a
0: couple stall outs, and, and I, I think, I know what stalled me out was I sort of temporarily gave into the idea that fat wasn't as good for you, so I reduced the fat content, uh, the, the amount of fat that I was eating, and it just stalled me out for months and months and months, and, um, that it helped. Which last month I kinda of did this experiment of trying to get ninety percent of my calories from fat. And I <laughs> dropped about twenty five pounds that month. Wow. So yeah, and and now I I've, I have no fear of the fat anymore. I've I've been eating probably sixty, eighty percent this month so far and uh still dropping a few
1: pounds. I think the big thing people don't realize with the high fat component of the caloric intake is it's so satisfying that you end up eating less and you don't get hungry and if you if you go into a high carb or high protein either or or both without the fat you you're always hungry you're always trying to replenish it when I was in Vermont uh for the uh permaculture thing that Ben Falk did it was like nutritionist nirvana and it was good food organic the best of the best, you know, grains and and rice and uh, different things like that. And it was mostly vegetarian, with a little bit of meat here and there. And it didn't taste bad. I didn't not enjoy eating it, but I know I would wake up in the morning and go, "Damn it, I want breakfast." And, and by the time it was lunchtime, I was like forcing my way to the front of the line. Oh. And when I eat the way I do normally, I pretty much wake up, I have coffee with whole cream, and I might eat something by three o'clock in the in the day. And people think I'm like holding out to do that. It just doesn't occur to me to eat until then. Right.
0: Well, um Actually, one of the meals that I've like hit on recently, uh, towards the end of my fat thing, and basically what I've been eating for a lot now, was um it's sausage, cream cheese, Rotel dip, just eating it out of a bowl. <laughs> and, I mean, honestly, a couple spoonfuls, and I'm full for hours on end. Like, sometimes I'll eat... Lunch around eleven o'clock, and I won't eat again till the next day when I wake up. Um, not even that much, actually. Sometimes coffee with cream, sometimes a couple spoonfuls, and then till eleven, and I'm good.
1: That sounds like it needs some jalapenos added to it, uh, but it sounds pretty good. <laughs> I well, think... I mean,
0: <laughs> go ahead. I mean, the Rotel has the uh, the green chilies in it, so it's it has a little bit of spice and a little bit of tomato and it's delicious.
1: <laughs> awesome, awesome. You are, I'm looking on your blog right now. You're, you have a recipe up there for uh, Parmesan crisps as well, and that's, uh, that's pretty much a pure fat play, but it's uh, pretty damn good, eh?
0: It's, it's real good. Like I found, I found a company that was selling them, and they're like shelf-stable for like a year. And I was like, well, it's just basically baked Parmesan. So I figured out I could save about half the price of it and make twice as much by just buying Parmesan cheese and baking it. Uh, And it makes little crispy crackers, basically, which that's why that's kind of one of the things I miss from paleo is like there's not a lot of crunchy, crispy food. Um, And I miss that except for bacon
1: and pork rinds and pork rinds. Yeah. Yeah. God bless the pig, man. I'll tell you. I remember a guy telling me one time all the like like you know because some religions they don't eat pork and like all the science that goes along with this and I'm like everything he came up with I'm like you're gonna have to come up with a lot worse things about a pig before I stop eating pork and I was like it was, I think it was this pre paleo and I was like eating a ham sandwich and everything he explained every time he would do it I would just bite into it and go mmm and and the, the the pig is probably the most versatile meat animal out there.
0: That's um. Whenever I eventually get my homestead, like I think I want a whole herd of like little potbelly pigs and just name them like
1: bacon and ham. <laughs> That's all I need. You know, um a lot of people kind of get upset about that because they they take the potbelly pig to be a uh, a pet now. You know, they've been doing, you know, domesticated to live in people's houses and all. And if you want to do that with one, I'm fine with it. But the, those are. Uh, a mainstay of Vietnamese livestock. They kind of just let them run around free over there. And every once in a while, one graduates to the smoker.
0: I, I'm not one of those people that have a problem with it. I, (laughs) I plan on having a whole little like herd of them. They seem (laughs) small and easy to contain and they're like perfect ham sizes.
1: They do get big. If you let them grow too long though, they'll, they'll, they'll push 200 pounds. And, uh, I don't know. I've seen like really mature potbelly pigs and I'm, I look at them and I go, man, it just seems like this guy'd be better off as bacon because they just <laughs> look really weird when they get, you know, fully matured out. I'll we'll have to look that up. Yeah. So, hey, um, you, uh, you really try to do things like, like use everyday objects like we talked about with the headlamp thing and all. What are some other things like that that you've done that you like take this everyday object and adapt it some way to put more value into it?
0: I, um, everyone's seen those, uh, like $99, $100 expensive, like survival, uh, thumb drives. They're supposed to be impact resistant and water resistant. Um, and I was just like, you know, it's a $5 thumb drive, you know, and some stuff. So I walked around my local hardware store and I got some thick casing, like steel piping, like a little piece big enough to fit the thumb drive uh, removed from his casing with two solid steel end caps screwed on it. I poured resin in it so it would be waterproof, and I suspended the thumb drive in it just until it was sticking out the top enough so that the top cap would screw on it. I let it set. So I have a bomb-proof one for probably $10 worth of material.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and it looks like a little pipe bomb. It's not <laughs> bomb proof. It looks like a bomb. I mean, it, it does. Ca- I don't know if you get it through TSA. That's not going on a plane.
0: <laughs> I I would not try to take that on a plane, but anywhere else, um, if you have it in your car, uh, and I have mine uh, with, um, I think TrueCrypt on it to uh, encrypt my uh, bug out information. If you have it in your car and your car explodes, you'll still have that.
1: Yeah, I, I concur with that. It also looks like it'd make a nifty little impact weapon, too.
0: It, yeah. You don't need a coupon. You have that.
1: <laughs> and if anybody asks, you know what it is, it's your thumb drive.
0: Exactly. I mean, you can unscrew the cap, and it's obviously a thumb drive in acrylic resin.
1: Awesome, awesome. Any other ideas like that? Um,
0: what else have I done? I I tend to usually, like, Whenever I'm walking through a retail store, I'll look at stuff and I'll think, what else can I make out of that? What can I repurpose that into? Because um, a lot of stuff is really good for other stuff. Um, and I know I have a million things
1: I've done on there. What about your uh, pepper spray uh, multi-tool gear hack?
0: That was, uh, that was a buddy of mine uh, that I work with, uh, that I met through Zombie Squad, and he there's um there's a little pepper spray canister that is almost pencil shaped and it'll fit in the leatherman uh multi-tool pouch perfectly uh which i thought was a great idea uh while i was camping
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely um what else man what do you got i mean i'm, I'm here on your blog you got like a billion things here <laughs> oh
0: i'm trying to flip through and see what i got um
1: How about a tech one, Uh, because this is the one everybody keeps telling me to get off my ass and set up, Evernote as an app for survival.
0: I use Evernote for everything. Uh, When I'm on the Internet and I see an article I like, a web page, I just clip that. Um, Throughout the day, like when I'm walking around or working, when I get ideas for my my blog, I'll just pop a note in there, and then um, sometimes I'll even go back in there and I'll start writing it. That way, you know, basically wasted time. You're walking around. You're doing something. I'll just start writing, and I will have, like, half an article wrote there ready to go, you know, whenever I get a chance to get to the computer, Uh, and it syncs everywhere, which is what I like. So I do it on my phone with the Evernote app, and then I can get home, and I can pull it up, uh, my saved articles with the tags and everything, and I can be like, this is the research that I did on this article or that article, which I'm kind of – Slowly working on a uh, an ebook called um, Science for the Apocalypse, I'm trying to collect all these science experiments that you can do, basically when the grid was down or you know fun with your kids, stuff like that, like uh, making ice from fertilizer and some other neat stuff. Um,
1: yeah, I got a good one for you because you just recently, earlier this year, got your concealed carry permit, right? And you did a post about, you know, basically your first time carrying. And I think a lot of people that consider getting one, you know, that have never carried a gun in their lives wonder what, you know, what's it like the first time you're walking around strapped um, legally and you're, you know, you're kind of wandering around in in kind of a new world with that. And and kind of what you learn just from like, you know, what kind of holster you want and, and maybe places you can and cannot go at that point.
0: Um. That was, that was one of the scariest things I've ever had. Like, I felt that every eye was on me. Everyone was like, oh, oh he's got a gun. I thought everyone thought that. Um, and I ran into more police officers that day than any day I've ever had. Everywhere I wanted to go, the parking lot was filled with police officers, and I'm like, I'm just not gonna go there. Um, <laughs> you tend to notice those signs in the doors, like, guns can't be carried in here. Like, and you're like, oh, do I do I run in there anyway, or do I pick somewhere else to go? Um, it was the very like frantic sort of scary moment the first time. Now I don't even think about it. I'm like, oh oh, I have a gun on me. Oh, I forgot.
1: Yeah yeah, I think that I mean what what happens is like it's like it, to me the first time I ever did it. Um, Outside of the military, because in the military, it just it seemed to be different, like you didn't care. And I did some security details where I was armed, concealed armed, and it, it was totally different. Like, the first time I did it as a civilian, the only thing I could compare it to is, like, when you finally get your driver's license and the first time you leave with a car on your own, and, you know, a cop pulls out behind you, and you've not done anything wrong, but you're just, like, holy crap, you know, is he going to pull me over? And it's almost that that same experience yet again.
0: Yeah. um, It it was a very scary experience. Uh, I'm glad I did it. I'm so happy that I have my concealed carry license now. Uh, But the first time is a doozy.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that, like, the big thing that people need to understand that have that concern, and the reason I brought it up as one of your articles is you do get over it.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, probably, probably like three times maybe, um, I probably was over it. Yeah. Which, I just remembered another, uh, one of my early articles I did that, that I thought was awesome with something that all of us have. And, uh, your recent episode about the, uh, the Japanese book. Yep. You were talking about? Yep. You uh you mentioned that uh, there are these sandal makers everywhere that like weave sandals out of like um you know rope
1: or straw right
0: yeah well i uh, those those are called waraji, and there was a show that i was watching where all the main characters wore those waraji, and they ran around in them and i was like well they look really neat like i like those and uh, i started looking at them and researching them uh, months ago and they're like you know they're just, they're simple to make they're pretty easy just out of like two different kinds of rope and i was like well, I wonder if I can make these out of paracord. So I've weaved an entire sandal except for the Cecil rope out of paracord. Wow. The whole shoe, not just the laces, everything's made out of paracord. And it's pretty comfy.
1: Wow, those that sounds really cool. That almost sounds like a business waiting to happen because unlike them being made out of rice straw where they're pretty much a, a one month, you know, maybe one repair and then another month and then compost proposition, those should be pretty damn durable.
0: Yeah, I've not worn mine extensively, but I've had it since oh June, and it's still it's still fine, still works. Uh, it's pretty durable.
1: You, you are a pretty pretty innovative guy. Like one of the things that uh, recently showed up in a box of goodies from uh, Tim Glantz over at uh, Old Grouch Military Surplus for me was uh, one of the little German stoves with the little fuel tabs in it. Yeah, but you had a post on making your own, which was just badass. You want to tell people how you do that?
0: Yeah, um, I just grabbed – I mean, once again, stuff that you can just grab from any, any store anywhere and stuff you should mostly have, which uh, I took an empty roll of toilet paper, the tube out of it, um, scraps from like uh, the laundry dryer lint. So laundry dryer lint and then uh, paraffin wax from a store, and you just mix the paraffin wax and the dryer lint together, pour it into the tube, and then you cut tabs basically like an Esbit tab. Um, they burn pretty long, they burn really smoky, uh, there's a lot of soot that comes off of it, but it burns really long, and it burns for like, I don't know, I think less than a buck a tab, a couple cents a tab.
1: Wow. Well, definitely less than buying them then, because they get kind of expensive.
0: Oh, right, yeah, I... I know I looked it up when I wrote the article, and they came up to being fractions of the cost. Like to make to make one that makes like uh, I think six six different, six different burns, so six different boils or uh, cook times was like the price of not even one tab.
1: Absolutely cool, and that I mean I think that's a great example of like how you can just take stuff that the average person either has or can buy for next to nothing. And replace an item because I've actually never considered those a really valid option, and the reason is because every time you run out of them, you gotta order new ones, and they're not cheap. They're not inexpensive. In fact, the best way to get them cheap, which sounds ridiculous, is to buy the surplus stoves that come with six. It almost costs less. You know, like cheaper than dirt. Will do them like five, five stoves, and with the with the tabs in them for like ten bucks or something like that but if you go try to buy the tabs individually they're they're ridiculously expensive
0: right and i don't i don't know what it is but the the fuel tabs that i had like the actual esbit ones they tend to have a pretty short shelf life i tried lighting one i don't know 2 years after i had it um outside in the field when i was trying to show off and it didn't work and of course both my alcohol fuel stoves failed And I was like, wow, I wish I'd had uh, my jet boil because it never fails.
1: Sure, sure. But the the ones you make, I can't see those not having a decent shelf life. Oh, no.
0: I mean, paraffin will burn forever. forever. Yeah.
1: Yeah, There's places in the world where they cook with paraffin. uh, As a matter of course, if they can afford it because they cook indoors with open cook stoves. So uh, they try to avoid wood whenever they can. So it's like there's like the, the rich poor guy, right? If there's such a thing, the rich poor guy, uh, his wife cooks with paraffin chunks, and then the poor poor guy has to cook with whatever, whatever wood they can scavenge and, uh, and, and smoke the house up.
0: Right, and that, that's what I see is like the benefit of that is they're cheaper. Uh, they'll never go bad. I mean, paraffin should always burn. You know, cheap, easy to make, never fails. It's win-win to me.
1: Now I'm looking at your article. You had, you mentioned the the wax and the tube and the lint, but you had looks like you had Vaseline in there too. Uh maybe. There's just a, in the picture I see a little jar that looks like Vaseline.
0: I probably threw some in there to, for the for the lint. Um, it could work without it. I've also thought about switching out the paraffin for beeswax to smoke less. Mm. So and that's I, I kind of consider all my articles to be open source. I want people to be like, that's a neat idea, but I think I can improve it. And that's what I want. I want people to come back in the comments and be like, you know, this is a good idea. This is how I improved on it. That yeah, what I think that's going. the
1: most important thing that we all need to be doing with innovation. Like the whole concept that people have like, well, this is my thing and it's the best and it's the only way it should be done. And if you, if you take it, do something with it, I'll, I'll, with it, you know, otherwise you're ripping off my idea. And like, you know, burning wax and lint is not your idea this was one way that you use that people have been burning wax and lint for a long time that's why you knew it burned
0: exactly i mean i i get a lot of ideas and stuff from every from other people all throughout the web i try some some work some don't uh uh, but i don't i don't want to make anything mine i want to make it ours it's it's all of ours um i don't even like the copyright term i keep meaning to remove it off the website it's open source (laughs)
1: Yeah. Survival so Punk is open source. I, I mean, I do think it's nice, though, when people like, use your material directly, that they at least go, I got this over here. I mean, th- I think that's something as content creators we all appreciate, but, but, but go ahead and do it, for God's sakes. I mean, you know, and then by the time it gets two or three levels away, there's no one even knows where it came from anymore, and I think that's something that other people struggle with. I've heard people say, you know, I was the first one that did that. I'm like, the guy on YouTube that made that video has no idea that that's the case. You know, His exactly. buddy showed him, who learned it from somebody else's video, who learned it, you know, it, it, it. That's the whole point of putting knowledge out there, is it multiplies and progresses.
0: Yeah, and, and it'll come back a hundred times better than you ever thought it would be.
1: Now, another one of your posts that I thought was just badass was, was entitled, uh, Don't Buy Shit. <laughs> and it's about one of these green ceramic skillets that we see all over the place, as seen on TV, right? Right. I... I um I don't even watch a lot
0: of TV. I was at the gym, and I kept seeing these these commercials for this green organic frying pan skillet. And and from what I saw from it, I was like, well, you know, if it's ceramic, that's got to be good, you know, because normally I just use, I use cast iron. But I was like, ceramic can't be bad for you because I stay away from uh, the Teflon-coated stuff. Sure. Um, it looked like it was really good, stuff slipping around. I, I didn't care about the not using oil. I'd rather... I'd rather smother stuff in bacon grease, um, and it lasted maybe a week and a half. And then the the ceramic, which it was not – I thought it was all ceramic. It's some sort of nasty spray-on ceramic coating that flakes off in a couple of days, and then your eggs stick to the bottom of it, and
1: you're back to a worthless frying pan. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think your point was, you know, if you use Google, you don't do stupid shit like this.
0: Right. I, and I should have known better. I usually don't get sucked into the hype. I'll, I'll Google everything. I want reviews, uh, to make sure that I'm not buying crap and I'm buying something that's good and it's going to last. And I didn't, I got tripped, tripped by the stupid ass scene on TV ads and you know, I threw away 20 bucks on a frying pan. Yeah. (laughs) I could have, I could have went to eBay and spent that same 20, 30 bucks and bought a Griswold. And right now I'd still be happy instead of angry.
1: Yeah. And you might give it to your kids someday.
0: Right, and this, this, I still have around just to look at and get angry that I spent money on it.
1: A reminder, to, you know, just just Google it before you do it. And I, I have to say that I've done the same thing. I've been a dumbass and bought something and went, this is a piece of crap. And then you look it up online because you're like, I'll fix their ass. I know SEO, you know. And then as soon as you type it in, like, it don't, you don't have to do anything because it's already, like, completely saturated with uh, people that say it sucks. And, you know, I don't, like, when I go to look at something that's for sale on Amazon, it's a great source of reviews. And if I see, like, two or three people that are pissed off because they didn't like the color of the box or, you know, theirs got shipped late or something, I I don't really put any weight in that. But when there's, like, 80 reviews and 70 of them are one star, you probably want to look for something to freak out, you know?
0: Right, right. Actually, speaking of Amazon, I saw a review on there recently. Um, some of the friends put, like, this ebook, like, this free preparedness guide ebook, that was like, oh, get it right now while it's on, on free, and the reviews on it were like, oh, there's, there's like three reviews, and they're all like, this is great. And I'm sure all three of them worked for the company or paid money to say that. Because I, I flipped through the book, and like every section was like a link to their website to buy this item and was like just such fear-mongering, just, you know, hey, you better buy this or you're going to die. And you need these water purification tablets or you'll die. <laughs> and we have them for sale or you'll die.
1: And I was like, yeah. Ugh. yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of that out there, and I mean, I, I try to stay away from it. Now, you've been trying to build up your blog, and you just did, um, like, a, a multi-day contest where you gave away a whole bunch of stuff. And I kind of wish I had had you on the show before you did that, because I think we could have uh, <laughs> drummed it up a little bit for you. Um, but there was a lot of really cool stuff you gave away. What was some of the cooler things that you uh, you got to give away in that contest?
0: Oh, my. like uh – I didn't expect to get this many responses. I expect to do like five contests, one a week, and I got, I got Comptac to give me a red uh, Glock holster. I got um, another Kydex company to get me a shotgun shell holster. Uh, Stephen Harris sent me four copies of Sunshine the Dollars to give away, uh, which people loved. Uh, Nurse Amy and Doctor Bones gave me a copy of their amazing uh, medical handbook. Uh, medical uh, survival prep handbook, uh, which was a big one. Um, Grand Trunk Hammocks gave me a very nice hammock to give away. Um, and like 15 other companies sent me amazing prizes. Like I won, like Monday through Friday, I gave away some of these amazing prizes. Uh, and the turnout was pretty low, so the chances of winning were pretty high. So most of the same
1: people won something. You know, and that's really cool. And I, I that was like you know, not to toot my own horn or anything, but you you were listening to my five minutes to check business podcast, and you did that. And I think a lot of people listen to stuff like that. and Go, that's great, but you know, will it really work and all? But the way you got all this stuff is you just basically put together uh, the content, the concept, and went to these companies and said, "Hey, would you like to give some stuff away to my subscribers?" Yes. And I- I, how how was the response? I, I, well, apparently, it was pretty damn good.
0: Um. I, I I will admit, I totally got the idea from you. It was a great idea, and I saw a lot of people were like, oh, that's a neat idea, but it won't work for me, and it won't work for me, and I was like, you know, I don't care if it works for me. I'm do it anyway. If it <laughs> fails, it fails. You know, n- nothing nothing lost, nothing gained. Uh, and I emailed probably a hundred companies. I probably emailed a hundred companies and, and got some people confirmed, and then some stuff I guess they backed out and never sent it, but uh, at least 22, 23 solid companies are like, no questions asked. They're like, it's in the mail, dude. Like, it's on the way. We support you. And, and that's and like,
1: that's one in four. That's, that is, you know, that is, okay, if a person wanted to give away for two months and do it every, you know, every weekday, uh, you know, it needed 50, you hit 200 companies and you can do that. And the reason I'm bringing that up is there's a lot of guys out there like you trying to get a blog off the ground and you know, this works. This is something you – now, you got to have a little bit of a reader base to do this with. But uh, once you've built that, this is a, a game plan to, like – and now you've got relationships with the vendors, not just the new readers. Right, right. I, I picked up probably four times the
0: readers from this contest. Uh, I think before it I had, like, 30 email subscribers. Now I have almost 200. So, bam, right there, you know, I increased my readership. I got – uh, the, the 2022 20, companies or whatever it was, you know, they're awesome. Uh, I would deal with them at any point and we have good, we have good relationships. Uh, and oddly, it was some of the bigger companies that were like, shoot, yeah, we'll support you. And, like, some of the companies, like, I understood most of the people when they were like, you know, some of them were like, hey, what's your, what's your reader base and what's your, your stats? Uh, and they're like, well, you just don't meet the numbers. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, whatever, you know.
1: Well, that happens because some people get to a point where they 're getting twenty requests a week, but a lot of companies get one a month, and they 're doing everything they can to get exposure and they don 't care if you only have a few hundred readers because it 's out there, and the ones that are getting switched onto social media understand that a blog post is freaking immortal right it it lives for years and years and years, and it has you know link power that it gives over and I think I have found that the best companies to go to for product if you want product is manufacturers because they can afford it a lot easier than a reseller who's had to do a cash outlay to acquire it right, right,
0: so a lot of the the bigger ones worked and then um i tried I tried my best to build my foundation from local companies in the sort of industry that that like I wanted to build a good local relationship with. Uh, and I got a few of them, and, you know, I sent them some customers, so I'm happy for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it's really cool that you've been doing all this. Um, you did mention the Zombie Squad a bit. When, when I met you, you had just been from one of their events, right? What was that like?
0: Um, I went to their ZombieCon, their yearly sort of camping trip on the side of a mountain in Missouri, Um you have to, it's, it's like a 45 degree angle and everything slides down and it's like 140 degrees. Uh, but it's awesome. I had a blast there. Uh, just a bunch of good guys. A couple of days of like survival classes, a range day that was fun. Um, just good people and, you know, good hanging out.
1: And, and definitely ready for a shower by the time it's over. with. <laughs> right, right. it.
0: <laughs> It was, it was hot and sweaty and we all shared a pool of water that had had so much stuff spilt in it. Man bath.
1: <laughs> I don't know, I might take a rain check on the man bath, but I guess you do what you gotta do. And that's kind of the point of that event.
0: Right, right. It's, I mean, you know, it's, I mean, it's just a, you know, it's a pretty strong community of Zombie Squad. Um, it was more or less like a get together hangout from the people on the forums. And it was awesome.
1: So, if somebody came to you today and said, "Hey, I, I'm like getting really interested in this preparedness concept, but I don't know where to start out," you know, um, what would you tell them?
0: Honestly, I would tell them hit the Zombie Squad forums and start listening to your show. That's it's the most sort of level-headed approach that I've found because I've found some pretty extreme craziness since I've since I've started like to prepare this journey uh, and. You can just tell, like, when they start talking, it's, it's like, crazy tinfoil hattery, or it's, like, fear-mongering, and it's not like, hey, just make sure you have some extra food, and, like, you have any savings? Savings is really nice. You should have some savings. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, like, that sort of level base is where I think people should start, Um and not, you know, eventually I went out and I bought the cool AR-15, um, but I had I had like three months of food storage and two grand in the bank before I thought about that. And it was not the two grand in the bank that I took to spend the AR. It was separate AR money.
1: Gotcha. You had the AR fund. I, I think that's a big thing a lot of people can learn when they're starting out. Like You have the simple, easy things that you can pretty much do with either what you have or by redirecting money you're already spending. Uh, and you have the, the whole debt equation and get away from that. And then once that's done, like, okay, if you want an AR or you want an EOTech site or whatever, you create this like little basket of, of savings for it. And a lot of times what you find out is by the time you've done all the work to put that money away, you're either really excited to go spend the money and buy it because it's something you really want, or you go, yeah, I don't really need that. And then you end up allocating it to something more advantageous. Because you're acting with something you've actually had to put some effort into rather than swiping a card. Right.
0: And, and even though I had the money set aside for the AR, I still shot my butt off to find the exact one at the best possible price because um, I was pretty specific on what I wanted. Um, being that I'm left-handed, I wanted a Stag Arms left-handed AR so I don't get shells in my face. Sure. Uh,
1: and I shopped around, shopped around, and I got one 900 bucks. It's a great price. That's it just is good. Yeah. And that of course leaves you with money for training, money for ammo, money for accessories, et cetera, versus you know, tying all the money up in, in the gun itself. And now you're big on the DIY, but you have taken some, some firearms training, right? Right. Um through
0: through like the the local zombie squad chapter that I helped form, uh we've got a couple of schools, like uh gun training schools around here. And they put on a few classes. Um I took the, the handgun carry permit class um I keep meeting since I'm here in Tennessee to to make the trip down to Camden for uh James Yeager's class. Since I've been there, you know, with John Willis. Um so I need to do that and now that I have most of the small things settled, that's sort of the plan for next year is more training and not more guns. I'm probably gonna get a shotgun, uh, but I have money for that already. So sure. next year is Training training, training
1: well, you know what the shotgun you got the little jack spearco devil on your on your shoulder going, "Do it,, get the shotgun, you need the shotgun
0: <laughs> I just listened to your shotgun episode last night, and I was like, "I know, I know I need it
1: <laughs> and, and and really i don 't think that everybody needs one, but I think that it's it 's probably the most versatile tool out there uh, from a from a you know a basic defense survival standpoint and um, it, it is so versatile just with ammo alone. You can buy a stock, you know, maybe a little bit shorter-barreled version of an 870 or a Winchester pump or a Moss 500 out of gun show used, and it might not look like a badass tool, but just like flip. It, buckshot's buckshot, right? Yeah, yeah, Buckshot out of an improved cylinder choke is buckshot out of an improved cylinder choke. It, it doesn't matter if the if the thing's black and got a heat shield on it or something like that. It's It's going to do the same thing with terminal performance.
0: Right. So that's that's my next big purchase uh will be the shotgun. You talked me into it. I'm getting it.
1: Yeah, and god help you if you get into sporting clays because that'll become like the obsession that it is for golf for some people. I'm I'm glad I don't live where that's available easily anymore because uh it was something I spent entirely too much time doing.
0: Right. And I have too many hobbies as it is now anyway. Uh I get too distracted. Um I know one of the next big projects I plan on doing, and I'm probably going to gather materials as soon as I get off the Skype with you, is uh, months and months ago I saw this documentary about beer, the history of beer and how it changed the world. I've uh, seen that.
1: That's very cool.
0: Right. And So then you saw the part in it where uh, the early settlers to America didn't have barley yet, so they're like, we'll, we'll just make beer out of acorns. Yep. Well, I want to make an acorn beer. I've not seen any recipes for it. I've seen people talk about it, but no one's done it, and that's… That's where I want to be. I'll try anything, uh, you know, failure, succeed, whatever. I'm going to go try it and see how it works. So I'll be brewing up an acorn beer this week.
1: Cool. I think that the the key to success with that is going to be to figure out how much meal you're going to need for your mash and then make uh, the acorn meal, you know, getting all the tannin and crap out of it. Because if you do it with, like, raw acorn without, you know, mealing it first, it's going to be bitter as shit um and then the other thing you're in for is you're in for a full mash conversion you're going to have to do there there's no i haven't found acorn extract yet but that that would be kind of cool if somebody wanted to come out with it right which which will be another step
0: for me cuz i've only done uh malt extract brewing at this point and i've had good success uh you know decent beers better than better than like the the bushes and the miller lights and prices are pretty amazing you know
1: yeah, yeah. I uh I, I'm big on the brewing as well. It's just uh I don't know, it's very uh it's a very pleasing thing to do to make your own beer for some reason, uh beyond just the drinking, the actual process itself and the chemistry and biology that's involved.
0: Right. I mean the pride of like, hey, we're getting we're gonna drink some beers and I made this. This is water and now it's alcohol and it's me. Uh um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just, like, cool. You get your buddies, and you're like, no, 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 we're going to drink my beer. It's mine. We're drinking this.
1: Yeah, and as long as you're not, uh, you know, looking for Budweiser, uh, then they're going to be happy. The guys that are, like, the uh, Coors Light drinkers are never too hip on the homebrew, uh, unless they're open-minded, because they're so used to something that tastes like water and bubbles. Right.
0: I have a few friends, like, uh, they're like me, and they're, they're big into the microbrews, and they're, they're drinking the
1: beer for the taste, not yeah.
0: So much like, hey, we're just gonna knock back. Does it get
1: out. you drunk? <laughs> no, that guy's always the guy that I go, look, dude, you. Not, I'm not wasting my beer on you. Right, All real- right. Yeah. Go drink <laughs> some natty ice, buddy. Yeah. You know. <laughs> if you want to get drunk, go get yourself a you know, like a five dollar bottle of Ghibli's vodka or something, <laughs> and, and, and just stay away from me when you do it. You know. So man, this has been really cool. Thanks, thanks for being on the show today, and uh, I want to make sure people do get by your blog, um, survivalpunk.com, because. Who knows, maybe you'll run another uh, another contest with the holidays coming up here, and maybe they can win some stuff.
0: Yeah, um, I actually have a custom-made knife that I'll be giving out at some point. Uh, one of my winners from the contest, uh, he was like, hey, so I make custom knives. You want to give one away? Of course I do. So he <laughs> sent me a really nice knife that I'll be giving away. Um, people just came out of the woodworks and like, hey, I got stuff. Give it away. So I'll probably have another contest for the month over and. You know, hopefully more people send me stuff so I can give more stuff away.
1: Absolutely. And let me know, and I'll, uh, I'll make sure that I announce it on the show and the blog for you that, awesome. that you're doing it. And I'll throw out a little promotion for you, man. Guys, James is a great guy. I know there's a lot of you guys out there with holster companies and paracord companies and stuff you're trying to get up off the ground. It's Easy Chief Exposure. So if you get in touch with James, I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. Sure would. Thanks, Jack. Hey, absolutely, man. Hey, and uh, any final thoughts for folks today? Um, you know, it's just a
0: pleasure coming on here, and, and uh, hopefully one day, Jack, I'll be able to pay you back for all the beer, tequila, and scotch I drank from you.
1: <laughs> that was an interesting evening. Uh, yeah, and it's not as bad as it sounds, folks, but we did have a sampling of, of a few different uh, adult <laughs> beverages, a little here and a little there, and the uh, the scotch was probably the best of the mix.
0: It was the best Scotch I've ever had,
1: uh, and now, of course, I want more. <laughs> was that Highland Park? Oh, I think it was the 18-year Highland Park. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's that's something you only give to cool people. So, folks, when I thought he's a good guy. If I shared my 18-year Highland Park with him, he has to be a pretty good guy. Uh, and again, thanks for being here today. Well, Thanks, Jack, for having me. Alright, folks, and I'll have uh, links to uh, James's website, his Facebook, all that good stuff in the show notes. And with that, this has uh, been Jack Spirico today, along with James Burnett, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times to get tough or even if they don't. Seeing our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we revolution Some Someday we'll realize our children just can't pay. There's nobody up there cares they're living for today.